Northridge Church, how we doing? Doing all right? Good. All of you joining us from our campuses, Brighton and Grozeal, it's great to have you. All of our online community, glad you're tuning in. But for those of us in the room, I think maybe you're in the same boat as I am. And what I've learned about living in Michigan, that if you're in town on Labor Day, Memorial Day, or Fourth of July weekend, it means that we don't have a cottage up north and no one invited us to theirs. And you know what, if you're watching from the lake, we didn't wanna go anyways. We're busy, we're at church. I'm free next year, but not this weekend, I'm, I'm busy. Um, well, I hope, I hope that you've had a great summer. I hope that you've had some time to, to make some memories with friends, with family. I hope that you've had a chance to maybe slow down and unwind a little bit. And more than anything else, I hope that you've spent some time with Jesus. I hope that you've slowed down enough to, to spend some time in prayer and hear his heart and his direction for what he has for you. Uh, but it's September, and I'm here to let you know, summer, it's over. It's over. I mean, we've got pumpkin spice lattes back. We've got college football is back. And, and the best news of all, either this last week or this upcoming week, kids are going back to school, and all the parents said amen. God is good. God is faithful. Those August days, they get a little long. They get a little long. Uh, but we, uh, my, my wife and I, one of the things that we do is we love uh, this time of year, we get together and we start to put together our family schedule. Anyone else, you like the family schedule? Like I know summer's just as busy as the fall, but I think in the fall it's a little bit easier to establish some sort of rhythm and routine. And so we get together and, and we talk about, hey, our kids, are they playing sports? They, they doing music? They doing dance? Like, what are we going to be up to? Because what we know and what we've learned inevitably is that where we spend our time, where our kids spend their time, it, it's going to shape more than just their schedule. It's going to start to shape their lives, how they talk, how they think, how they act, how, how they process life. And, and so who and, and where we spend our time is so, so important. Any of you ever grown up play uh, the, the children's game Follow the Leader? You know the game? It's a real simple game. I'm gonna teach it to you if you've never played. Uh, you have one leader, and that leader, they start to say something or they start to do something, and everybody else has to start doing what the leader's doing. So everybody, real quick, rub your belly and pat your, no, I mean, I every, so far, I've got three for three. You're all winners, you all win. Um, but my kids, I, I've got four kids, they still play this game, uh, but now really how they play it is that our, our youngest daughter, she's one, and she's trying to discover her voice. And so she'll be in the other room and she, she's just screeching. And they're mostly happy screeches and I'll be like doing something and all of a sudden it's like all kids, they're going crazy. I go, I'm like, what is going on in here? And they're like, well, we're just doing what Zion's doing. I'm like, she's a baby, you need to stop, like you guys gotta stop doing that. But, but we do this with our lives, right? You ever notice like you get around somebody and like, especially you ever been around somebody who says y'all or you like go down south and you're down there like for like 30 seconds get around Pete, and I'm like, hey, y'all. I'm like, what just, where did that come from? Where did that come from? So I grew, up in, I grew up in Massachusetts, and in Massachusetts, they say some things quite a bit different than how you would say them here in Michigan. 
And there's this, this one word that they say a lot that uh, I still say to this day, and it, it's the word wicked. Uh, let me explain, let me explain. It's not what you think, right? So like in Michigan, let's say you go and there's a new restaurant downtown Plymouth, and you go and you're telling your friends about it, you're like, man, have you been to that new restaurant? Like it's really, it's, it's pretty nice. It's a good spot. It's a pretty nice place. In Massachusetts, you go to that same restaurant and you go to your friend and you're like, hey, you, you go there? It's wicked good. It's got some wicked good food on that menu. You know, like, and you just like, you slip it in there. So every so often, I find myself using this term and people are like, what are you talking about? Uh, but I, it happens because of where I grew up. In fact, I, I want to make sure you guys all come next week to our outdoor service. I heard Pastor Brad has a wicked good talk for us. Does it work in the church? I don't know if it works in the church context. I, I might try it. We'll see. Uh, but why? Because the environment that I grew up in has started to shape who I've become. And this happens with all of us. And, and so it's so important to think about and process who you're spending your time with, who, who you're hanging around with, because it's going to impact your life. But not only uh, are you impacted, but, but the truth is that you also get to influence every space that you're in. And here's one of the things I've learned. I've learned that everyone is a leader because everyone has influence. Everyone is a leader because everyone has influence. It doesn't matter if you are the youngest person in here, you're a middle schooler, you're a high schooler, or if you're the oldest person in the room, we all have the ability to influence and shape every environment that we're in. Now, it could be a positive influence, it could be a negative influence. It could be a big impact, it could be a little impact, but all of us have the ability to lead and to influence. So it's so important that we think about who am I around, who's shaping me, and how am I shaping other people. But if you're ever going to talk about leadership and influence, you have to start with Jesus. And not just because we're in church, and not just because maybe it seems like the right thing for a pastor to say, but what I found is this truth, that Jesus is the most dynamic impactful, influential, and effective leader to ever walk the face of the earth. And to be honest, there's not even a close second. I mean, Jesus, in his 30-something years walking the earth, so revolutionizes the whole world, the whole history of the world. John Ortberg wrote a book a few years ago called Who Is This Man? And in it, he talks about the names that we give to our kids, that we give to schools, that we give to cities. Uh, are, so many of them are influenced by Jesus and the life he lived. That if you look at, at our, our modern education and, and healthcare and, and, and care for people, a lot of the positive things happening in the world, that they have their roots in the leadership and the influence of Jesus. I mean, have you ever noticed our, the way we keep track of time and history centers around one man because of the influence and the impact he had, right? You have B.C. before Christ. You have A.D. after the year of our Lord. Why? Because Jesus is in the middle of it. Because he's the most dynamic, impactful, influential, and effective leader that's ever lived. And yet, here's what I find. I find that it's much easier to like Christian concepts and ideas than it is to actually imitate Christ and live how he lived. Christian ideas, Christian concepts, I think those are a little bit easy. Love God, love other people, check, I like that one. Other people, treat other people the, the way you wanna be treated, oh, that's a, I like that, that's good. But how come we don't do it? How, how come there's still so much hurt and pain and brokenness and destruction in our world? It's because rather than letting Jesus be our model and the thing that we strive for, rather than taking our cues from Jesus, we settle. And so what I do is I look and I'm like, 
man, here's this business guy. and He's making a ton of money. What's he doing? Oh, he's waking up at 5 a.m. And, and working out. Cool. I'll wake up at 8 and eat my cereal. Or I look at another church and I'm like, man, it seems like that church, they've really figured it out. And so I look at another church or I go to social media and I look at their edited photos and their edited videos and I'm like, that must be real life. I settle, even though Jesus has changed and altered the history of all of humanity, I don't go to him as my source, I go to other people. And not only do I, we settle for other people, but I think we settle for just moments. So I could tell you about the big moments. I could tell you about the, that first time that I really discovered and experienced the love of God. I, I, I could tell you about that moment. And then there's this long gap. I could tell you about when I got baptized. I, I could tell you about the church I was in. I, I could tell you about that service. It's a long gap, right? And so we settle for other models. We, we settle for other examples. And, and yet Jesus is the best source of what it looks like to influence and shape the world. But here's our invitation. The same invitation Jesus gave to his disciples to come follow and learn by walking with Jesus is available to you and me today. I mean, have you ever thought about it? Jesus changes the history of the world, but how does it start? You ever think about this? Well, it starts this way. He goes to 12 guys. Some are blue collar, some are white collar, just 12 average guys. He says, here's what I wanna invite you. I want you to go everywhere I go. Where I go, you go. Where I eat, you're gonna eat. Where I sleep, you're gonna sleep. And as you are around me, as we align our rhythms and routines, what's gonna happen is, is there's gonna be a change in your life. And you're gonna start to think like I think. Your heart's gonna be burdened for the things I'm burdened for. There's gonna be a change that happens when you're around me. But it's gonna be small, it's gonna be gradual. And this is what Jesus wants with us. This is what he desires most. The, the big moments, they're great. Some of those other leadership models, they could be spot on. But the number one thing Jesus wants is to just be everywhere you're at. He, he wants you to surrender every moment, surrender every thought, surrender every relationship, so that you can learn a different way. You can learn a better way. It's the same invitation. So here's our main idea today. If you get nothing else, I, I hope that this sticks with you. That when we allow ourselves to be led by Jesus, we learn how to lead like Jesus. And when the church leads like Jesus, it changes the world. When we allow ourselves to be led by Jesus in every moment, in every second, in every decision, when we surrender, when we give up control and let Jesus take the lead, a change starts to happen. We learn a different rhythm to life. We learn a different pace to life. A shift starts to happen. We start to think and, and understand how Jesus wants us to live. And when we live like him, when we become his hands and his feet, if you look at family histories, you, you look at church history, what happens is the world changes. Change can happen, change is, is possible, but it comes by allowing Jesus to be the leader that we follow in every moment and every second of every day. And so I, I started doing something a few years ago and it was so impactful that I wanna do a little bit of it with you today. And what I did is I started to go through uh, all the different stories of the gospel and I just started to look and highlight and journal about, well, how did Jesus actually lead? Like, what did he say? What did he do? What were his actions? And so I'm gonna do that with you today, and it's in, we're gonna do that through the story found in Matthew 14. 
And it's a story that if you've been around church, you probably know. And even if you haven't been around church all that long, that's fine, that's okay. You've probably heard maybe parts or pieces of it. And so in Matthew 14, starting in verse 13, it says this. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and Jesus is getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Verse 16, I love verse 16. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. Now, I love this story. This story has all the ingredients I need for a good time. Number one, I'm an extrovert, so there's people. Anyone else, you love people? There's people, I'm ready to party. Second, there's food. I mean, you got a lot of people and a lot of food, like, let's go. Like, you just let me know when and where I'll be there. And, and third, this is very Michigan of Jesus. He's by the water. I just described some of your Labor Day plans, right? There, there's people, there's a lot of food, and there's water. I mean, that's, that's a good weekend right there. And, and yet this story starts quite a bit different than I, I remember hearing it the first time. Uh, did you catch it? it? It starts a little bit awkward. In verse 13, it said, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. So it begs the question, well, what's just happened? This is not like typical behavior of Jesus. Well, what's just happened is that Jesus has just heard some, some terrible news. His dear friend, his cousin, uh, the guy who baptizes him, who, who's been prophesying about who he is and why he's come has just died. John the Baptist, he finds out today, John the Baptist has died. Not only has he died, he's actually been killed. It's a, it's a gruesome story, it's a terrible story. There's manipulation, there's perversion, like you can go back and read it. But this day starts in a very hard moment. I mean, I always pictured it as like fun and lighthearted, and yet the day starts with, with, with a very difficult news. And so the first thing we learn about Jesus is that Jesus led in hard times. And what's gonna happen is that if you study the life of Jesus, what you're gonna find is that oftentimes people would show up and, and their goal was to try to trick Jesus or, or trap Jesus, to, to try to utilize Jesus for political gain or financial gain. They would show up to try to harm Jesus. But time and time again, Jesus has to lead in hard times. And if we're gonna look like Jesus, we're gonna have to learn what it looks like to navigate hard times. Now, I'd say overall, like I'm a pretty optimistic guy. Like I like to see the best. And so this year, I hope, I hope it's an incredible year. I'll, for some of you, you, you find the love of your life or maybe you're expecting a kid. Maybe you get that promotion. Maybe you start that new job. Like I, I hope all of those things happen. But for some of us, this might be our reality. I hope not. But, but just because of the brokenness of, of our world, some of us this year, we're gonna walk through some hard times. You're gonna experience some loss. You're gonna experience something that, that's not right, that's unjust. You're gonna experience some pain. And all I can tell you today is that in those moments, Jesus, it, he doesn't avoid you. He, he's not putting distance. 
between you and him. He, he actually desires to be near you, to walk with you, to, to help you walk through hard times because Jesus, time and time again, he models what it looks like to lead in hard times. I think if you look at our, our world, I think we've had some hard times over the last few years. I think there's been chaos. I think there's been a lot of hurt. I think there's been a lot of pain. I think people have been fighting like never before. And I think the option that's on the table is for us to live differently. I think the option on the table is for the church, for the people who, who, who follow Jesus to lead in inspiring in a different way in the middle of hard times. I wanna learn, I've gotta keep learning how to lead in hard times. Jesus, he led in hard times. Uh, but I, verse 14, I love verse 14 because it continues on. It says this, when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. We see that Jesus, time and time again, he led with compassion. I'm grateful that this verse doesn't say Jesus is in the boat, but he's processing his own hard day. And, and so he, as he's going by, he feels bad for the people on the shore. He has pity for them. He, he has empathy for them, but he just keeps on moving. No, what you're gonna find if you look at the life and the leadership of Jesus is that when Jesus sees hurting people, when he sees hurting individuals, he sees them and he moves towards them. Jesus led with compassion. Jesus, it's not, it goes beyond just the feeling, right? I said it before, I think feelings, I think concepts are easy. I think feeling bad is easy. I think meeting needs is hard. I think Empathy can be a, a little bit easy at times. I think walking into somebody's mess is hard. And yet what we see is that time and time again, Jesus led with compassion. He, he was so moved by what people were going through. He was so moved by what people were processing that he had to move into their world. Compassion always calls for action. I'm grateful that, that we're in a church where our 16 words, right? It's not wake the world up to Jesus and feel bad for them, right? It's not wake the world up to Jesus and, and pity them. No, it's wake the world up and show them his love. Uh, I love that we did the backpack thing. I, I love that we're sending the team down to Tennessee, but let's not just have moments, let's not just have, have isolated trips, let's live daily with compassion. Let's be people who are quick not to avoid people who are hurting and broken, but to enter in and have relationship with them. Jesus led with compassion. This next one, it's a little bit more practical. I don't think we always give Jesus credit for this, but Jesus knew how to work hard. In verse 14, it said, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And then verse 15 starts out by saying, as evening approached. And so it's giving us a little bit of a timeline. So here's Jesus, he's heard some really difficult news, he's heard some heartbreaking news, and because of that he's taking a moment, but then he sees people in need, and he goes to those people in need, and then one of the biggest understatements I've ever read in the Bible, I said, he just healed people all day. I mean, how many miracles happen that day that don't even get recorded? How many moments happen where Jesus is touching someone or healing someone or, or, or changing someone's life and it just says, he just healed people all day, just Jesus doing Jesus. And Jesus knew how to work hard. But we picture like long hair and sandals, we picture hippie Jesus. No, like Jesus, he knew how to work hard. 
He, he, wasn't, he wasn't anxious, he wasn't scattered, he, he didn't wear himself thin, but, but in the middle of the most important mission of all the history of the world, he, he knows how to work hard and diligently. I don't think you can be lazy and effectively follow Jesus. I don't think you can. I mean, there's all the parables uh, of sowing and reaping. Uh, there, there's Jesus talking about how you need to go the extra mile. There's the moment where Jesus is about to be betrayed and he goes the, the extra step to wash everyone, everyone's feet. Jesus knew how to work hard. If we're gonna lead like Jesus, man, you should be the, the best worker in your office. You should, be the, you should show up on time. You should work a full day. You should work with integrity. Jesus models what it looks like to work hard. But I love this, that Jesus provided solution to problems. Jesus provided solutions to problems. Yeah, I think it's easy, I think we live in a, a time where it's easy to point out the problems. I think all of us on our social media, now we've got a platform and a voice to tell everybody what we think is wrong with the world. We get to go on Google Review, we get to go on Yelp and tell everybody, here's what's wrong with this place, here's what's wrong with this group of people. I think it's easy to point out problems, I think it's hard to be somebody who gives solutions. And right, so here's how I think it went down, right? You got the disciples, and they kinda gather around, and they're talking, like, this is good, but I mean, this is well over the 30 minutes. I mean, does he not see the timer in the back? Like, he's gotta wrap this thing up. Peter, go talk to him, right? Probably Peter, we don't know, but probably Peter. And Peter's like, I got it, guys, I got it. Goes up, hey, Jesus, this is, whew, this is good. This 20-point sermon you're on, love it. Might have done maybe four weeks of this, maybe, you know, like a little mini-series, but all one day, that's cool too. Uh, but it's lunch, you know, I could listen all day, but the people, right? You get it, the crowd, they're hungry, right? And it's like, Jesus, we gotta wrap this up, right? He, he's quit. he points out the problem, and I love it because the way that Jesus leads is he points to the solution. He, he looks at him and says, oh, they're hungry? Okay, cool, I got it, I got it, great. Uh, actually, we're gonna feed them, right? And I love it because Jesus, he does this time and time again. I mean, we could take it a step farther and actually talk about how Jesus is the only solution to all of the problems, we could talk about that in all of your brokenness and all of your sin, there's only one solution, and it's Jesus. We could talk about how humanity in and of itself will hurt and harm each other, but there's one solution, and it's Jesus. And so if we're gonna lead like Jesus, we need to be people who are not just quick to point out the problem, but who pray and say, Jesus, show me the solution. I'm gonna say it to us another way. I think some of us, I realize this even in my own life, some of us are trying to outsource what God has called us to resource or to be a part of. Some of you are trying to hand off to somebody else what God has divinely called you to do. Some of you are waiting for somebody else to, to deal with your problem teenager and God's saying, great, actually I called you. So some of you are waiting for someone to show up and be the light of Jesus in your neighborhood and Jesus is saying, I've called you. Don't look for somebody else to do what God has called you to do. Jesus provides solutions to problems, but, but Jesus is such an incredible leader that not only does he meet the initial issue, right, people who are hurting, people who need healing, but Jesus is such a dynamic leader that he starts to solve problems that no one was even aware of. You wanna know how people make a lot of money? They start to tell you about problems you didn't even know you had. Are you mid-30s and getting gray hair? How do you know that, Google? 
I've got just the solution for you, right? You want to know how people make money? They tell you about the problem you have, and they're like, lucky for you, I also have the solution. It's only 1990, you know, like, like this is, I mean, Jesus is such a dynamic leader that he starts solving problems that no one showed up expecting him to meet. I mean, who's showing up? Like, I can't see, so I'll go see Jesus, and he heals them. Thanks, Jesus. And by the way, I'll take the number two Chick-fil-A with the Chick-fil-A sauce and the lemon, right? Like no one showed up like, Jesus, are you going to feed us today? But Jesus is such an incredible leader that he starts meeting and solving problems that no one knew was there. So Jesus provided solutions to problems. And so now what's the process? How does he start to do this? Well, he says, hey, well, what do we have? And I think at this point, the disciples are still convinced, like, I think there's a way out of this. And so they go to Jesus like, Jesus, obviously, we love the feed the people idea. Love it. That's a great idea. Only downside, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus is like, perfect. That's actually exactly what I needed. And Jesus this takes time to, to say, what do we have available? Some of you, you're like, Jesus, obviously, I want to follow you, clearly. Uh, but, you know, you know my heart. Like, I've just got such a good heart. And if I had more time. If I had more time, obviously I would give it to you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, well, do you have the same 24 hours as everybody else? Would you give me five minutes? Would you give me 10 minutes? They're like, Jesus, well, you know, you know the backpacks, love the backpacks, you know my heart. And obviously, Jesus, if I had a little bit more money in my bank account, I would, I would do the backpacks thing, right? And Jesus is saying, well, do you have $1? Do, do you have anything that you're gonna trust me with? And this exchange, I I think, is so important. The exchange from the hands of the disciples into the hands of Jesus. And I think we get hung up on this exchange where where we we wanna hold on to it, we wanna control it, we wanna manipulate it, we want want Jesus to bless it. And, And Jesus is just saying, would you put it in my hands, would you trust me? Would you trust me enough to see what I could do with your time, what I could do with your relationships, what I could do with your finances, what I could do with what you have in your hands? Will you put it in the hands of Jesus? A few years ago, my wife and I, uh, we were college pastors at the University of Wisconsin, and this time of year, it was crazy. Uh, We did a lot of outreach, and the position, we would, we would uh, raise our own budget and our own money for our own personal living and for the ministry. And this particular year, we just felt like God was calling us to trust him in a deeper way with our resources, with our money. And so there was a few big events, and we paid for them. And uh, so later in the week, my wife gets our three kids and gets them in the van, drives down to Target, and she's just shopping just for our own personal groceries and I don't know if you've ever been to Target with three kids. It's not a good time. It's not fun. I mean, they're taking clothes off. They're throwing cereal in. You know, like, it's crazy. And she gets all the groceries, and she goes to the self-checkout because she's a strong, independent woman, right? And she's scanning the groceries and, and gets ready to pay and just swipe, declined, swipe, declined, calls over the, the Target employee. Hey, ma'am, can you help me? And she's trying to figure it out and just looks at my wife and says, to be honest, I, I think maybe you just don't have the money in your account. As my wife is going to our, our bank, the app on her phone to check our bank account, uh, she sees a text come in from a friend of ours who's a few states away that, that honestly we don't talk to all that much. And it just says, hey, last night I was just praying, God put you on my heart and I was just praying for you. And so here's a Target gift card and it, I hope it can bless you. I hope it can use you. And so in real time, 
when we couldn't see the resource, in real time, when, when we, like, there was no other option, Jesus provided, Jesus did more with resourcing than we could have ever done on our own. But it has to go from our hands into his hands. And so Jesus says first, well, what do we have? What are you willing to trust me with? What, what are you willing to place in my hands? Jesus took time to count his resources. But then Jesus gets organized. And when Luke tells this story, he actually talks about how he, he sends his disciples out and he has everyone get into groups of 50. And so now Jesus is delegating and he's empowering other leaders. Uh, these are good business terms, I think, maybe. I don't know, organizational leader, right? He, he's getting other people involved. If I were to be honest, I think this might be one of my biggest hangups. Because often I'm like, Jesus, here's my budget, here's my money, and he's like, how about you get a budget? Dave Ramsey, why don't you check that guy out? I'm like, Jesus, have all my time, right? In a moment of worship, Jesus, here's all, my, here's all my time. And he's like, how about you get a schedule so that we can actually plan out where we can spend time together? And I think for some of us, it's like, because it's relationship, you, you, some of you, it's just simply what you need to do today is you need to go home and you need to get out a day planner and you need to just get a little bit organized so that you can partner with Jesus, so that you can actually surrender to Jesus and put it in his hands. And so Jesus takes time and he gets organized. And this last bit, I think, part is so important. And then he modeled gratitude. He says, what do we have? So I will say, we just have this, this little meal. They put it in the hands of Jesus. He says, all right, great. Let's, let's get organized. Let's get ready for this. Let's get prepared. And then what does he do? On, on this day where he, he finds out that John the Baptist has been killed, after he's given of himself to so many people, after he's taken time to look people in the eyes and heal people, after he's probably exhausted and drained, in this moment what he does is he takes this small little under-resourced meal and he looks up to heaven and he says, Heavenly Father, you're so amazing. You're incredible. He takes a moment to worship. And some of you, man, this is the missing piece. Like you show up every week, but you don't have a heart of gratitude. You're trying to do the right things, but deep down in your heart, there's no thankfulness for all that God has done in your life. And you've let your heart become hardened to the goodness of God. And Jesus, he looks up to heaven and he says, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. You're amazing, you're incredible. And then this is my favorite part, is that then Jesus set other people up to experience the miraculous. You ever notice this in the story? Where does this miracle happen? Jesus has it, gets organized, he blesses it, and then he hands it back to the disciples. The disciples, they just, they just wanted to wrap up this event. They just wanted to go eat. The, the, they are like, we don't have enough to do anything. Jesus puts it back in their hands and they start handing it out. I wonder at what moment did they realize that God was doing a miracle in their life. I wonder on what piece of bread, what fish they handed out, did they realize that a miracle was happening in their hands. You wanna know what great leadership looks like. It's when you stop praying just about your own need it's when you stop obsessing just about what's going on in your life, when you stop just looking at your own hurt and your own pain, and you start praying, Jesus, how can I set other people up to experience the miracles of God in their own hands? I wanna be the type of dad that when I look at my kids, I set them up to experience the miracles of heaven in their own hands, in their own lifetime. 
The, the reason I love my job is because, man, I pray that if I let Jesus lead me, that, that I could play a small part in setting up a middle schooler to experience the miracles of God in their own life. The, the reason I love my job is because I believe that I could set a high schooler up to experience the miracle of God in their life. That is great leadership. Man, I wanna be a church, I wanna be a pastor that sets other people up to see the miracles of God happen in their hands. And then this, this last point, Jesus exceeded expectations. And there's just this moment where they're sitting there, everyone's been fed, they're bringing back everything that's been collected, and it's just, it says they're satisfied. You ever have that moment, Thanksgiving, Christmas, you eat that big meal, you're with the people you love, you're with people that you enjoy, and you just sit there all fat and happy. Man, it's just a good day. It's that moment. In a day that started out with pain, Jesus exceeded expectations. When there wasn't enough resources, when it didn't appear like there was enough to meet the need, Jesus went above and beyond. When Jesus, when he pushed you out of your comfort zone to not just point out the problem, but to also give solutions, and it's just that moment of satisfaction. My prayer is that as you're driving home today, it's just this moment of satisfaction because you had a moment to worship. You had a moment of gratitude. You had a moment to spend with your Savior, with your healer, with your Redeemer. So Jesus, he exceeded expectations. So what we find is that when we allow ourselves to be led by Jesus, we learn how to lead like Jesus. And when the church leads like Jesus, it changes the world. Change, change, it can happen. I'm telling you, I believe in change, but the only change I've ever seen in my life, it's come from Jesus. It comes when I lay down, when I surrender my own will, my own resources, my own time, and I put it in the hands of Jesus, that's when change has happened in my life. I'm telling you, change can happen. Some of you have given up on change. Some of you are like, I've tried it. I've tried the self-help. I've tried everything I can think of to try to change. I'm telling you, Jesus can change you. In fact, maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't. Actually, I've been talking for about 20 minutes and we all just experienced a massive change. Not like a metaphorical one, like a literal massive change. Uh, if you're here in the room, if you're watching online, at Plymouth we have this massive 100 foot LED wall. Have you ever seen it? It's right here by this big cabin. I don't know if you've seen this at all this summer. Uh, when I started talking, uh, it was sun out. The, the sun was out. We've literally spent the day together. Some of you are like, I know, right? Like, it's felt like it. When I started talking, the sun was out. It was a bright day. The lights were a little brighter in here. Uh, but what happened was I started talking, and I kind of talked loud, and I'm moving my hands around. And, and hopefully, in the middle of that, God's been highlighting some things in your life. And, and so while you've been looking at me, what's been happening is this backdrop, is this picture, slowly, gradually, second by second, has been shifting and changing. And I'm telling you, some of you, you've got some pictures in your life and, and you need change. Some of you have some relationships that you're looking at. Some of you have some relationships with your spouse uh, or with your kids, with somebody, and you're like, I need change. And I'm telling you, what you really need, is, the only way to that change is you need a different leader. 
And if you will let Jesus lead your life, then the backdrop can change. If you'll let him into the slow, methodical, uh, aligning your rhythm, aligning your life, what will happen is slowly over time, the backdrop can change. Change can happen, but you need a new leader. Change is possible, but, but you, need, you need somebody else painting the picture. Some of you, you've been holding on to some, some hurt and some pain. The backdrop of your life, it's just marked and it's scarred. And I'm telling you, change can happen, but you need a new leader. It's gonna come when you surrender to Jesus. It's gonna come when you take what you have and you put it in the hands of Jesus. Change, it can happen. But it, it can only happen when you allow Jesus to lead. And for some of you, that moment needs to start right now. Could be at Brighton, Grozeal, it could be online, you could be in your living room, you could be here in the room. But it's that first step. It's that, that simple prayer saying, Jesus, you take the lead. If that's you, I'm just gonna invite you, pray with me real quick. Jesus, I need a new leader. Jesus, I, I have some sin, I, I have some, some brokenness, and I need, to, I need something new. I've tried doing it on my own, I can't do it on my own. I need a redemption that only comes from your work on the cross. Jesus, would you lead every area of my life? If you just prayed that, I wanna tell you right now, please text the word Northridge to 31616. Northridge to 31616, because we want this to go beyond just a moment. We wanna come alongside you, we wanna get you into the process of life change. For the rest of us in, in the room, here's how I wanna end, is that there's some backdrops, maybe in your own personal life, but I think there's some, some families, I think there's some schools, I think there's some communities, and I think Jesus wants to paint a different picture. But he's looking for some people to lead like he led. He's looking for some people to talk a little different and, and love a little bit different. He's looking for some people who are moved with compassion and I just wanna pray over us that we would be that church, that, that we would help paint a different picture, a different backdrop for our world. So God, I pray over every life that is listening to this message. God, I pray that we would allow you to lead, that if we're gonna look like anybody, that we would look like you, that we would trust you, that we would place in your hands all of our time, all of our money, all of our attention, all of our emotions, and that as we allow you to lead our lives, it would change the world. In your name we pray, amen. I'm gonna send to all of our campuses, your, your campus pastors are gonna come up and give you guys some directions. For those of you here in Plymouth, uh, man, it's great to have you. Uh, I hope though that you'll come back next week. It's the, it's the launch of our fall season here at Northridge. And I'm telling you, our outdoor service is gonna be incredible. We've got a lot of people getting baptized. You're gonna get to see in real time lives that have been changed and transformed. And like I said before, I heard Pastor Brad has a wicked good talk for us. And so love you guys. Have a great week.